0: The New Zealand Tech Podcast. Brought to you by Guerrilla Technology. Proactive and strategic IT. Welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. I'm Paul Spain.
1: And I'm Brett Roberts. And I'm Jonathan Spence.
0: Welcome along. Great to have you both here. Brett, thanks for uh, coming back. You've made a little bit of a change since last time we uh, we talked.
1: I have. Uh, I'm now the General Manager of uh, Doodle and Mobile at Darkroom Systems Limited. Based here in Field Street. And I'm loving it.
0: Good stuff. And Jonathan, where do, you, where do you fit into this world of, of technology and, uh, and business in New Zealand?
2: Sure. Well, I know it's a little bit cliche, but I'm, I run a, a startup here in, in Auckland. Um, been involved in the tech scene for a long time, uh, since I was probably about 11 or 12 and uh, building my first computer. So natural progression, I guess, in life.
0: Good stuff. Well, um, let's jump in, and we will, we'll hear a little bit more about your business later. Sure. Um, first up, Samsung, their Gear VR. Now, you know, we, we've had, we've seen these varying virtual reality headsets over over the last, uh, you know, couple of years. Uh, Oculus Rift sort of being the, the main one that's attracted the most attention uh, with their sort of, you know, all in one unit. Um, but the, you know, Samsung have really sort of been pushing this in part through their partnership with, um, uh, with, with Oculus. Uh, but they've just announced a new Gear VR, which is going to be half the price of the, the previous one. Still a little bit more expensive than uh, the ones that we, we were looking at here a couple of weeks ago that come in the uh, Kellogg's box with your uh, Nutri-Grain. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but down from, I think they were about $300 uh, here, the, the last one that launched. And this one's likely to be around the hundred and fifty dollar uh, price point.
2: Sure. So, what exactly is in this um, this device? You know, like why is it different from from those that have been around before?
0: Well, I mean, really, what it uses is usually your smartphone, and then you've got some lenses that sort of split the screens in in, in two, so you, yep. you can get that uh, that three D view. So, there's not a whole lot of technology to it. To, to be fair, I guess what they're trying to do is they're, they're looking for those uh, premium you know features that they can earn a little bit more revenue from and anything that would convince somebody to buy a Samsung uh, yeah, smartphone, smartphone ra- you know, ra- rather than an Apple uh, product. So, yeah. you know, in some ways it could be argued that they should give these things away uh, you know, free with every single one. To t- I guess imagine help. the
2: box, you know, you'd have um, a small phone on the top of this huge <laughs> <laughs> lens on the underneath. But I think it's really interesting that they're pushed into the space. You know, it's it's obviously a really uh um, in vogue thing at the moment you know with with facebook's investment you know there's so many applications i'm not sure did you see that um tech demo on on facebook for the new star wars movie of uh the oculus technology
0: no i did read about it but i haven't had a chance to have a look
2: oh it's quite cool you um you're in a speeder and you're you know driving next to the death star in in the desert and you can click and drag and move around and i presume that if you've got an oculus you'd be able to put it on and as you're driving on your speeder look around in the Star Wars universe and I guess as, speaking as a, as a bit of a Star Wars fan that that would be super cool and you know there's, there's many good opportunities for um, for this beyond you know these kind of cliched um, you know applications like commercially you know I can just think of it you know imagine if you're wanting to buy a house that hasn't been built yet you could walk through it you know there's so many things that these can be used for
0: yeah I mean I've certainly seen some interesting uh, tech, tech demos uh, CES actually this year there was some yeah, some quite fascinating tech, technology. Um, the, the one I was looking at, I think, um, I'm trying to remember what I was actually, I can't remember what I was wearing. I think there was some special glasses looking at a, a screen from, from HP. And then you had an ability to sort of, con, you know, control things in 3D space. Um, I can't remember. Yeah, I was holding something. There was a way okay. to basically, you know, con, control and, you know, it was very much, you know, focused on on that area of sort of, you know, c- computer-aided uh, design, you know, CAD-type thing and, and so on. Um, and, you know, rather than the consumer-oriented, which is, I guess, you know, what, what we're talking about here, but, you know, the, the consumer innovation often then sort of, you know, flow, flows back through and brings the price points down, so it becomes much more accessible Uh, you know for for business to look at the technology right
1: it's an interesting space right so um there's VR virtual reality and augmented reality and that and I think both of those will take off for completely different reasons there's some amazing stuff being done in New Zealand around those there's um AUT have a lab where they do some really cool um I guess virtual reality um stuff you know with putting the little trackable dots on people and Yep. measuring where they are to within point something of a millimetre in real time and then rendering all the stuff around them in, in real time. That's pretty neat. There's a company down in Wellington called 8i. That are, I don't know if you've seen them doing some amazing yep. stuff Herline. in that space, right? Yeah, yeah. They, they're world leaders. That's going to be a really interesting piece of technology. And then um, not really in New Zealand, but sort of as Magic Leap, who are partnering up with um, Weta, Um, And that first demo video of theirs up on YouTube is pretty impressive, right? So next year, I think, is the year that the stuff really starts to take off. Everyone's just dabbling at the moment and figuring out what works, what doesn't, trying to flog some phones off. um, Bless them. (laughs) Um, Microsoft probably stick theirs on the top of um, cornflake packets. um, But, you know, it is going to explode next year. You know, the technology will get cheaper. It'll get better. Um, You know, people will find a use for it um it it is yep. going to go nuts it's i mean be the huge. application
2: is the critical thing really i mean that's what's going to drive adoption you know and it's one thing to have you know computer games and and you know star wars universes that are in these in these devices but i think it's about also i completely agree with you on the on the consumer front but it's about those commercial applications too
0: now um move, moving on to something else which also ties in with smartphones um Virtu, and I'm not sure of the pronunciation because I've, I've, <laughs> I've never ever talked to somebody with one of these phones. I have seen one uh, maybe once. Uh, but this was the sort of the high-end uh, division of Nokia back back in the day. And uh, they now have a – they was separated out from, uh, from Nokia, sort of sold off.
1: Um, they have a new $9,000 smartphone. So Robin Williams had this really great one-liner where he said, um, cocaine is God's way of telling you you're making too much money. Yep. A $9,000 phone is God's way of telling you you're making too much money and you're stupid.
0: <laughs> good call, good call.
1: Um, so
0: you're not, li- not going to be lining up for one of, one oh, of, no, this, one of these? Mine. Oh, no, I've ordered mine.
2: Look, um, I think that probably one of the big markets for this device is going to be China. Um, I'm not sure if you guys have been seeing, um, but the strongest sales that Apple are getting at the moment are from China. They've got 115% year on year growth for iPhone sales. And like, we've just talked about, you know, um, the, the, price of iPhones recently going up. And I think in China, there is this perception of face and a, a phone is really a fashion accessory these days for a lot of people. And, um, you know, I really see a good opportunity for, for this company there. Um, and the, um, The services that go alongside it, it's not just the device that you're buying. You know, you're buying kind of an experience, a lifestyle. So you've got um, the opportunities for a private concierge. You've got opportunities for exclusive invitations to fashion or sports events. You know, you're almost buying into something that you wouldn't have.
0: Don't you get that with your gold card or your platinum card or whatever, whatever it is? These are all, I mean, they're things you've heard of before, but... I yeah. guess they're they're trying to build they're trying to build something that is very different yeah. to what you can get by buying any phone today. And I guess you know once there there was um, you know something you know special about certain brands of of, of smartphones that are now the norm, still expensive. Um, yeah, I guess this is the way you do it. You wind up the price to nine thousand dollars. You have a, uh, you know, you you build leather, a very nice leather case. At, at least this time, though, with their uh, their their new product, the Signature uh, Touch, it's actually got some decent specifications. Because in the past, yeah, you sell a premium phone for you know the the Vertu uh, phones, and you would look at it and you would think, "Oh, this is actually old technology." Yeah, yeah. By the time it got out, uh, so they're, they're talking about you know, twenty-one megapixel camera and uh, uh, what was it, four gigs of uh, of RAM and so on. So, you know, not a not a low spec device, really decent battery, wireless charging and whatnot. Yeah, uh, but still for the, for the money, I guess yeah, if you've got uh, millions of dollars with nothing yeah, to spend it and on, I
1: think it probably the guys that launched the product were wishing that they had been about six weeks prior to the Chinese stock market crashing rather than (laughs) six weeks after. So, you know. Yeah. Trust me, they'll be sitting on a shelf somewhere. They'll be less than $9,000 at some point further Uh, down the track.
2: quite possibly. I had a friend um, who bought a Mercedes once and he had to use a very specific type of phone which came with the car. (laughs) You know, and it's almost like, you know, to use this Mercedes, you had to have this phone which even at that time it was launched, it was, you know, it was a little... Bit outdated um you know but i think it goes to show that um you know people are willing to pay for you know for, for these types of things
0: yeah and when i mentioned nine thousand, that was us dollars but so if we were to if you were to buy that in new zealand and put gst on it, it's over 15 uh, 15k <laughs> so uh, stupid you know there, there, <laughs> yeah. there you go um probably feel a bit of guilty when you drop that one down the toilet yeah. they have they haven't <laughs> yeah, that's right they haven't sent a review unit i'm not Oh. Not sure why, <laughs> because it's, it actually wouldn't cost more than any other uh, phone that we get sent, right? I mean, <laughs> you're you're paying for that name. It's yeah, yeah. it's uh, it's nuts. Um, now another we're well, not, not going to send you one now. I can guarantee you. Right? So. <laughs> uh, other things this week we've had, uh, well, last week actually, uh, late last week, uh, Office 2016 uh, launched. Uh, what was it? I think it was about Wednesday last week. So uh, that's that's now out and available. Um, it does vary for people whether they'll actually be able to get their hands on it though, because it depends on what licensing system you're in uh, with Microsoft. If you're on Office three six five, how your organisation is uh, is set up. So if you are out there and you're wondering, you know, why your uh, your IT department is is going slow or whatever it is it's uh it's not actually necessarily available to to everyone yet and i guess you know there's a little bit of wisdom in, in that in terms of dropping the technology on uh, on people before yeah uh, you know organizations yep.
2: have had a chance to uh chance to test
0: it well there uh, was
2: always the reason with windows 10 having that long-term support option wasn't it you know i could just imagine the support calls coming into microsoft you know if there was that kind of problem so it's probably a safe play for them yeah, um, but
0: it looks looks like Microsoft have been, you know, working to just do, you know, they're moving to this model, I guess, of continuous improvement, yeah. mm-hmm. really, which is, is how the
1: software industry works now, isn't it? Yep, exactly. And that, you know, for that organisation, having spent a few years there myself, moving from that releases every three year, you know, massive releases every three years to smaller releases on a far more regular basis is a huge re-engineering um, exercise within the organisation, it's a huge mindset change within the organisation um, I remember once upon a time an office launch was a really, really big thing and now it's probably going to be a large number of slightly smaller things you know, Well the question then
2: on. is, does that destroy their PR department, they haven't got anything to go to the media with anymore? Yeah, I don't, I don't know I think um,
1: it, it's interesting when they release new products, You know, some people get um, hot and bothered about it. It's a really exciting thing for some organisations. It's a non-event because it takes them five years to roll out something that's coming out every three years. So they miss a few cycles. So um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's, uh, it's certainly not the big thing that it used to be. God, I remember launching Office 2000 a million years ago, being part of the team, and it was, it's like the second coming. Um, whereas now it's kind of like last Wednesday, a new version of Office came out. Hmm, okay, and we're, you know, I think, I mean, this one they're still calling it Office 20,
0: 2016 uh and you know we had office 2010 office 2013 but you've got to expect that those you know those numbers are going to start you know disappearing because you know we already know in fact they already announced that uh you know there are there are new features that are coming uh you know in the in the weeks ahead with uh, you know capabilities their new sync client to tie in with uh, uh, sharepoint and so, and so on um so you know it, it's it's but- it's a line in the sand to say yes this is the 2016 version but actually
1: it's not fixed because it will be continuously updated no, so the, the next one will be you know office 4th of July 2016 office, office 8th of August 2016 you know well and they do have they one. do have
0: some challenges with that I saw uh, something around a, a Microsoft CRM update and uh, yeah, it was a, a notification for someone saying yes we're rolling out your update on this date if you know if you approve it uh, but they were doing that it was the you know CRM 20 you know 15 update one and then in brackets was the date and it's the May version which they're now trying to you know roll, roll out in this case in October <laughs> yeah uh, which they hadn't managed to roll out previously so you know they've still got some challenges with bringing their business sort of in you know, in line with some of the other practices we're seeing yeah. around the industry. But there's
2: a huge challenge for them. I mean, you consider how large an organization Microsoft is with the history that they've had. You know, I can I can understand where they're coming from from that challenge. You know, trying to change an internal mindset alone is, is a really difficult challenge, you know, let alone that of your customers. So I can appreciate that um, that struggle for them.
1: The, it's the customer part that's the hardest part. Microsoft's a really, really smart company, and, and it can... Turn on a relatively large dime, maybe maybe a quarter, um, but the tricky part is in customer land. You know, they're still not capable of moving at the same speed that, that um, Microsoft is, and that will always be a challenge. You know, there's you get into that situation where a lot of organisations look at something and go, "Well, we've got all the features we need. How much more do we need?" Now, once upon a time, that meant they wouldn't upgrade; they wouldn't take an upgrade. What it means or could potentially mean now is when they're using cloud-based versions of things, they get the upgrade whether they like it or not. Mm. Now, that gets kind of tricky. Um, if you've got organisations that, you know, particularly if something that people touch all the time, you know, Office. If, if you're an accounting person and you're using Zero on a regular basis, you get used to the new features. That's just one of those things. When you've got an entire organisation that rock up at 9 o'clock on a Monday morning and, you know, a thousand people's version of Office appears to have changed... That could be problematic. So, you know, I would imagine that's causing all sorts of interesting conversations back in Redmond about how to deal with that stuff.
2: So, how how long will Office 2013 be supported for? Do do people have to move at a certain no. point?
1: No, they've got, um, and I can't remember the numbers off the top it's of. Usually, about head, but ten years, that yeah, is, you know, including the extended support for most products. They've got products. a very well documented um, process whereby you know they explain how long something's supported for and how long hot fixes are available, and then when it goes obsolete or unsupported and it is a long time it's it's in the field of sort of 10 years or so Mm, mm.
0: Uh, but you know i think what we're seeing now with these sort of updates is they are more gradual than they have been in the past and there there are certainly some obvious you know changes in various various areas with office 2016 but nothing that i've seen too far that you know so far that feels sort of jarring and they're they're more you know more of a positive bit of surprise. You know, you go into Outlook and you go to attach, uh, you know, you want to add an attachment and you're used to having to browse through and find it and, you know, suddenly you go into attach and it's got this list of all the most recent files you've been working on you know, right across various cloud systems and local file systems, and so on. It's like,
1: oh, yeah. uh,
0: and, it, and it's right there in front of you. So yeah. you just know the features there, and you use it. There'll obviously be some others that are maybe a, a little bit more hidden, and uh, you know that can be a challenge. I was looking uh, w- with with sharing our uh, notes with both of you uh, last night, and I was struggling to, to find a you know particular way of sharing that I was used to, and uh, you know it it had just it had just changed in yeah. terms of where that where that was.
1: It's about um, user experience, right? Hmm. It's the yeah, engineering a consistent, understandable user experience for the most used software product on the planet, apart from Windows.
2: So, does that mean that Microsoft might have to turn more towards training now? Um, you know, to help customers who have had this mindset of saying, "Look, here's my product. I'm using it for an X amount of time. I can train my staff on it." Say, "Hang on a sec." You know, we've got to change that mindset of the staff to to really to really be able to, to capture this this market.
0: I think that side of it's important, but you know the, the software vendors can address that in part by how they put the software together and and you know bringing to the front sort of the the uh, the features that people need, offering them you know online training and you know, training within the product. You've now got this uh, feature within the, the Office Bar uh, where it's there's a it says "Tell me what you want to do." And it's geared up so you can just you can actually just type a type a search as we're used to within the browser, being able to uh, type a search, and that you can actually do that you know straight within
1: the product, which I th- I think is a is a great change. Yeah, it's tricky. I, you know, the the usability thing you have to engineer in. If you have to fix it via lots of training and hit the F one key and other things like that, you probably haven't done the first job properly. Um, yeah. And that's why usability people are paid incredibly good money and they're so rare. You know, that's it's a part engineering conversation it's a software conversation it's a psychology conversation and of course there's about a million different types of customers worldwide so it, it, one size never ever fits all it's an yeah. you know, absolute nightmare
2: but that's always a challenge when you're moving from another product or you're moving customers from another product that they're used to you know, you're know, yeah, you invariably yeah. going to get complaints about it yeah. You know, someone's going to prefer to do it another way than, than I remember else does.
1: when I was at Microsoft and, and I used to get all sorts of interesting and abusive phone calls and emails from various people at various times and you know who you are Um, but the most interesting change that Microsoft ever did that got me the most interesting email was when they implemented the ribbon and I had literally people shouting at me on the phone and I wasn't even the office product manager or anything I just happened to be the poor schmuck that took the phone call people got really, really bent out of shape about that, a, you know, a UI change. It was a pretty big one. It was huge, wasn't and, it? Yeah, it took yeah. about a week, you know, it took me about a week to get used to, and then after that, and I couldn't imagine going back now, right? Could you imagine going back to hierarchical menu structures would drive you nuts? Um, but, boy, there was people that were pretty hot and bothered about it at the time, and they let me know. Thank you.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think, you know, organisations have to be smart around how they how they implement that, yeah. and, you know, most of what I heard of people that were upset about it were people that were in organisations that just pushed it out to the customer you know out to those that were using the software with with no support no no help and actually you know it was very easy to wrap a few bits and pieces around it you know within guerrilla what we did was we put an icon on the on the desktop for everyone for the you know the apps they were using so so you know with word there was an icon on the desktop you double click it it brings up what looks like the old version of word you go into the uh, c- you know command you'd want from the old school menus and then it would just show you how to do it in the new version. Once you've done that, you know, once, and there's not many features most people use in, yeah. in products like Word, right? Uh, the, you know, your key half a dozen, you know, 10, 20, however many features that you regularly use, it doesn't take you long to work out how to do it and realise it's a lot quicker uh, mm. with the new version. Yeah. But if you didn't do that, and, and you know, it's like... It's know, s- sending, yeah. sending people, you know, out in their car blindfolded, it's, uh, yeah. it's not a nice experience.
1: Yeah. Foisting yeah. software changes onto people. Yeah, yeah. you know... Yeah. Um,
2: i switched my dad over to uh, gmail many years ago and for him the one thing that managed to i managed to to do which got him to buy into it was to put an icon on his desktop with a shortcut to gmail because that was his big gripe is that he didn't want to have to log into gmail as a website and then go and put his password and and, and username in you know if you could automate that process that's all it took to get him on board with this you know it's, it's sometimes the small things
0: it's just finding what those are and un- yep. you know understanding what's, uh, what's appropriate yeah now we've got something interesting coming up uh tomorrow for that, or it depends on when people listen in actually because some people will might might well uh, miss it, but uh we will have this podcast um a lot of people will be listening to it on a Wednesday morning as they may be uh commuting into work or uh at the gym etc. Uh, Tuesday at 1pm, we're participating uh, in what is called International Podcast Day. Uh, So it's happening around the world. And uh, Podcast New Zealand, the NZ Tech Podcast, have been invited to uh, represent New Zealand. So we've got a bunch of uh, people that are going to join us in the studio here. And we're going to be using an app called Blab, which I don't know if either of you come across. uh, Blab.im. So it's... um, something that the company behind it you might have heard of Bebo? Do you remember yeah. a social yeah. oh network oh, some really? years ago? So, wow. so there was Bebo who I think eventually went bankrupt and then uh, possibly uh, if, if i forgot got I'm, my facts may be a little bit wrong here but the, the bits and pieces I read was that they you know they, they ultimately uh, you know collapsed and then uh, you know I think the, one of the original founders went and sort of bought up the, the, the remnants mm. because it, you know I guess it carries a bit of name recognition for people um, I've mentioned it right reasons, yeah but maybe yeah. not actually <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then they 've been working on various things and they they launched this app uh, blab last year and when I was reading it sort of it didn 't sound you know that interesting, uh, but it seems to have pivoted a little bit since the original uh, development and Now it seems like it 's a little bit of a cross between uh, Periscope and skype and so what happened when I decided to try it out over the weekend you you fire up the uh, I was using it on um, on the iPhone um, success. But then I tried it on my laptop as well, which is what everyone seemed to be running it off their laptops. And it's kind of like this online, you know, chat room type situation. And the screen splits up into four. So you end up with up to four video streams. Uh, but you're broadcasting a little bit like Periscope. So anyone can sort of just come in and, and watch the live stream. But it's more interesting. Than some of the periscopes, where you've got you know just one person uh, chit chatting away, and that there's mm. a, you know there's, there's different people can be in different locations for the chat. But yeah. I mean some of them are, are just quite odd, I've got to say. It's not quite as <laughs> uh, you know focused as some of the some of the periscopes. What did you come content. across so far for? I mean just, just people sort of sitting, sitting around in varying parts of the world and uh, you know came came across a couple of Kiwis. I guess it was that time on a on a Sunday night Kiwis were awake. Uh, it was probably three or four o'clock in the morning in the in the US. There were people in uh, South America uh, as well and you know so there was a lot of discussion going on that I couldn't understand and they were confused with you know my name being Paul Spain and they thing, well oh, I thought you were Paul from Spain you'd understand Spanish you know what's wrong with you uh, <laughs> so you know, there, there was a bit of, a bit of that um, but yeah I mean just all sorts of just you know things there was you know somebody um, I can't remember where she was. Who was you know was was basically doing music for people, so she had a guitar there and you know just jamming and so on. So yeah, a bit of fun, but you could burn up a lot of time, and that was what I got from talking to people. Is uh, yeah, people just you know burning hours and hours on on this thing, you know, to Facebook kind of to the you know to the next level because you can just keep interacting and keep meeting people. It's sort of like a virtual bar that you can turn on any time wherever you are and, and start you know meeting and interacting really? with people. Yeah. Uh, but they're trying to use it for a bit more than that, which is why they've uh, they've sponsored this uh, International uh, yeah, Podcast Day, and so uh, yeah, we're going to be streaming uh, 1 p.m. Uh, Wednesday, September 30th uh, through Blab, and we'll try and uh, we'll try and capture that content. So, it might be available uh, post event as well. And we're going to be talking about podcasting uh, to a local audience, which is you know what podcast New Zealand is is about is um, you know creating content for uh, for Kiwis. So.
2: Anyone that's interested, then um, yeah, tune yeah. in.
0: Well,
2: I was a little bit worried about this type of service. Um, I can't remember the name of it, but do you remember there was a, a service that came online and was all the rage for about a week, where you'd connect them with um, someone else's webcam, you know, and it would, it would randomly choose uh,
1: chat roulette.
2: Chat roulette, yeah, yeah. How, how does this compare? Sounds twice as good.
1: There's four windows instead of two, <laughs> right?
2: Yeah, yeah. So,
0: yeah, so there, yeah there, there's an element of it where. Yeah, you could go off in the in a in, a, in, a, in an interesting direction. And we'll just leave, <laughs> there we'll leave it to that. Well. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I could see my wife keeping a little bit of an, an eye on me, uh, you know, as I'm chatting with all these randoms and uh, wondering quite what was going on. I'm just testing this app for you know what I broadcast I need to do during the week. This is not my new life. I'm not going to be on this thing, you know, for the you know next twelve hours. And uh, yeah, you'll see me having yeah. not slept or anything the next day. But uh, what I was getting from people was that it's, you know some people are really, really, really into it. Yeah. So um, there, there is a bit of that that goes on.
2: Yeah, I've a look through their website now. It's um, you know pretty diverse content. Mm. It's got mm. someone doing a wedding or something like that, and someone fishing. H- how much more diverse can you get than that? Yeah, well, it's
0: just—I mean—that's the thing with these new platforms. I mean, they take—they take time to develop. Sometimes they'll—you know—there might be a particular uh, group of people, a particular segment that pick up on it. Different countries, so yeah, it'll be fascinating to see—you uh, know—how it lands and whether they end up with some sort of a, a runaway hit. But you know, at the moment, it seems to be quite a small audience. And in fact, mm. you know, the, one of the Kiwis that I was uh, talking to on there. Um, who may be listening? Because he, he said he was a uh, New Zealand Tech podcast listener. Um, he was making the content that he often runs into the you know into the same people, which is kind of odd. You when you got all the people around the world, you would think and they've got yeah. you know tens, if not hundreds of thousands of users that have been through the service, uh, but to keep running across the same people, I guess there's only a small percentage that are sort of you know stuck with it, or yeah. really, really yeah, into yeah. it. So uh,
2: yeah, well maybe there's something secret behind their algorithm, which uh, appears
0: gives people up maybe maybe so maybe so um now did um did you guys read around uh the this um uh, pilot a uh, new Zealand pilot, pilot that was claiming uh in Christchurch that so he had a, a near miss with a drone at an altitude of uh, about one one point eight kilometers up it seems um, really high
2: doesn't it it like- does
0: this is fascinating because there have been varying sort of news stories on it um but uh, you know t v three sort of picked it up and 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 uh um, you know, drilled into the the, the fact that um, yeah, people in the in the uh, you know a lot of drone users say, well, that that's really high. Is, you know, this pilot really you know switched on because a the plane would be going really really fast, so you know pretty hard to, um, to know, see a, yeah. a, a, a Small slow drone. slow moving little drone. And yeah. there aren't that many drones that probably would would get up to one point eight. Uh, kilometers high, eighteen hundred meters high, or, or six, 6 thousand right? feet. Um, and yeah, it's um, it's you, interesting. I mean, I haven't seen any more reporting to say, oh yes, there is a you know, a, I think it was a red drone that you know routinely flies around you yeah. know that that area near Kaiapoi.
2: Um, I wonder what um, pilots actually you know, as a whole, think about drones because you know you hear about these stories and you know you seem to get the impression that they hate them but perhaps you know that it's it's a minority um within that profession who, who have a problem maybe some of them are drone enthusiasts themselves you know it, it's hard to say you know people will often claim things within a, an agenda mm. and you know it, it it just could be that that's what's happened in this case but it seems pretty unlikely based on the facts of the of the story um but i think it's definitely it is a problem and that's why the uh the government um you know made those those new rules to uh to, to sort of rein that in um but i haven't really heard of, of really any major issues with drones in new zealand um you, guys- so are, you are you calling this one out as a ufo
1: <laughs> well actually wasn't it years and years ago around Kaiapoi where they spotted remember the the shark no the friendship pilot that spotted oh. the um ufos way back in the 70s i'm sure it was around that same area but i mean you know i, I worked in new zealand for years i worked in flight operations at new zealand for years had a lot to do with a lot of the pilots there and you know, you quite obviously, to state the very obvious, but you, you couldn't meet um, a bunch of people that are more concerned about safety and think about it, you know, it's what they're there to do. They don't get mm. paid to, you know, fly the plane, they're, you know, well, they do, but they earn the big money when something goes wrong, you know, so they think about that stuff a lot. Um, and there are people that are trying to figure out how to make these two worlds fit together, you know, commercial aviation, large aluminium tubes scooting around the sky at, you know, a thousand kilometres an hour. Um, and drones scooting around the sky, maybe not 1.8 kilometres up, but, you know, one day that'll happen, right? I mean, you know, at, I don't know what the range is these days, two, three, four hundred metres for cheapy drones. Well, they're, they're
0: not supposed to fly more than 120 no. metres high, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But technically
1: but they can certainly it's go a lot There's plenty of higher. morons around, right, with the checkbook. So they are going to fly more than 120 <laughs> metres high. In the States, they've, as you're probably aware, they've implemented firmware in the drones where they physically can't fly um, based on certain GPS yeah. coordinates. Um, which obviously is problematic, but you know, it's maybe not a bad tech solution to a problem of idiots getting their hands on them.
0: If you could enforce that, which I get, you know, the challenge, you know, people buy their drones from all sorts of yeah. You know, places, yeah, yeah, exactly, and, and, and just and, and, go to and so on, yeah, so.
1: dx.com or something and buy. But um, interestingly, when I was at um, Callahan Innovation, there was quite a bit of um, work going on there. there was some uh, a couple of guys there doing a lot of work in the drone space. There's a huge amount of innovation happening in New Zealand around. Um, particularly commercial grade drones mm. For filming and farming and all sorts of other things um, And some of those um, Drone manufacturers And, and innovators and, and pilots And things were running into civil aviation issues The really neat thing was that The civil aviation people were a couple of floors up From Callahan Innovation in Wellington yep. So they literally just had to jump in the elevator And go upstairs and start talking to the CAA guys About what the problems were Brilliant, And cut through a whole lot of the red tape Really quickly to get some really smart changes yeah. made so my understanding is that here in New Zealand we've got some of the better legislation on the planet when it comes to dealing with this in a, in a realistic drone, non-unfriendly kind of way, which is actually pretty cool, which I suspect that the civil aviation uh, will take to other jurisdictions around the world You know, over time. You know, they, Those organisations share that stuff. So it's just a matter of it's that classic thing of new technology... The teething issues and getting those you know that and the real world and other things to fit together and it'll it'll get sorted out eventually but there'll be some near misses and there'll be some ugly things happen as well mm. what actually mm.
2: happens when a, a drone and a plane collide
1: um if it goes to an engine probably not a lot you might lo- you know the engine might fail but um in modern aircraft one engine aircraft, they you know can fly forever on one engine, so that's not really an issue. You probably wouldn't get your drone back <laughs> um, going through a windscreen or something. You know, hitting something that hard at high speed of a windscreen could um, break the windscreen or crack a windscreen, but so can hitting a. A bird or a you know and I mean you've probably seen some of the bird strike photos right mm, mm. well this is this could, could and, be a bit more solid than a than a bird in some you know yeah, some cases pretty,
0: with some of the more you know commercial yeah, you know like, an, an engine yeah. an engine you know especially yeah. if it's uh, you know not just an electric one but a you yeah, know a right combustion right. engine sure. uh, hitting your
1: windscreen might not be uh, yeah. might not be ideal yeah so um how much do those things
2: weigh?
1: drones? yeah oh they vary a lot I mean the, the cheap ones that you go and buy at Dick Smith might weigh I don't know a kilogram? wouldn't weigh too much more than that and the big things are you know much much more than that lots more motors on them but you know i mean realistically drones can be can be any size
0: right and and uh yeah some of the ones i remember seeing at uh one of the uh museums in the in the u.s the uh was it the flight museum in um smithsonian one in uh in, 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 in dc yeah and uh, you know those are the big military and, ones that are that are there to take people out. Actually, so, uh, that's
1: that's a good point. And the other thing too is that you know I'm thinking um, multi-copters or quadricopters, but of course mm. there's a lot of them are fixed wing and mm. that sort of thing. And, you know, um, different different size, weight, speed situations. So, but they all fall
0: into that sort of uh, un, unmanned aerial vehicle, yeah. uh, you know, category. Yeah. And yeah, longer term we're likely to see a be you know, a whole lot more at that commercial end of the scale. So it is it is yeah. important that. You know we have those guidelines and can keep developing them, and uh, you know hopefully that's an area where you know New Zealand can be in, you know involved in from uh, you know what it brings back to New Zealand in terms of you know business and productivity benefits, whether it's out on the farm or whether it's actually you know producing the technology to export around the world. Yeah,
1: yeah it's it's that classic thing with technology. There's always there's a huge upside, um, there's potential downside when you've got people with too much money and not enough smarts. Um, all sorts of things can happen but like Virtu cell phones really you know it's the same <laughs> <laughs> could be the same people um now
0: we've heard just in in the last few days around uh two of the sort of telecommunications uh companies in the region that are uh, looking to uh to merge fairly soon so uh vocus and m2 group and of course m2 recently bought up a bunch of um um, assets within uh, within New Zealand in terms of uh, um, Core Plus and uh Orcon and, and and Slingshot and so on, uh, and then we've got Vocus who bought uh, MaxNet and uh, FX? yeah FX Networks. Yep. Um, so basically, we're we're seeing the you know the coming together of a, you know a whole lot of smaller uh, you know telecommunications entities into uh, a bit of a behemoth, really, you know three billion dollar. Uh, uh, organization presuming this uh, this goes ahead which is um
2: I can say a few years ago I was out to um, to order some data center space mm. and I remember mm. the choice came between MaxNet and Orcon mm. and if I think about it now well the, 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 the differences won't won't exist anymore you know they'll be the same company, they'll be Vocus you know I think the speed at which this consolidation of the market has happened has just been mind blowing you know it's almost like a new uh, news release every couple of weeks
0: yeah, well, they're going to be the, in New Zealand. They're going to be the number the third largest uh, telco and uh, fourth in Australia, and so you know, really that that I mean, we've we've seen the sort of the the vacuuming up of uh, you know so many of the smaller companies, and there there isn't really much sort of uh, uh, size and scale below that uh, within the within the local market. You know, lot you know well, a bunch of smaller companies, but. You know, I'll be curious
1: how that will actually work out for those other players. Well, it's quite an interesting time, isn't it? I, I would imagine for some of those smaller organisations, it's kind of um, be acquired or die. You know, they must be in, in that sort of space. And I'm sure that those large telcos know that, you know, and push them pretty hard price-wise, etc. But it is, it's kind of vacuuming them all up, join them all together, and they're just buying customer base. right? I tell you, um, you know, CB Woodhouse, mm, right? mm. he's a really interesting guy to talk to about that whole phenomenon of just, you know, acquiring customers, the importance of doing that. And he's also, you know, in that space where there's all of this acquisition going on, all of this consolidation, and, and very much a um, everything's kind of um, dropping down to the lowest common denominator, and you know, it's very hard to see any differentiation. I think he's done an incredible job with Voyager, stepping back into that space and, and building a business that's differentiated and, and you know, um, has some um, presence in, in, a, in a highly crowded, highly competitive Space, he has got a real knack for that.
0: Yeah, yeah. He was uh, last time he was on the on the New Zealand Tech podcast. He was, uh, you know, talking about how he he had started moving into uh, offering uh, residential internet yeah. services. Uh, you know, again, and uh, yeah, it looked like he had a had a good approach to it. And you know, it'll be, be curious to see uh, to see how that goes. But you know, as these other brands sort of disappear, which is I think what we will see. Yeah. You know, it doesn't make sense for uh, you know for even with that without the merge with with Vocus to have uh, so many brands, and you know we're very much likely to sort of see, you know, Orcon and Slingshot and whatever else that that, that there is within the group sort of, uh, you know, end up being a, you know a much smaller number of uh, of brands. I would yeah. think over Do you over think, over time um,
2: that there will be more regional brands because the UFB kind of. Allows that to happen now, you know, with the, the breakup of the different regions and, and how you service them, etc. So, at a technical level, and uh, for example, in, in Tauranga, um, I noticed on the Geekzone website, there's always that guy from Full Flavor who's out there posting, and um, you know, they have more more of these smaller regional ISPs that that will sort of pick up that niche space.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess they've existed for for a while, and there's always room for for niche players. It just it'll come down to whether it's you know can be profitable for them yeah. to be in business, and they have to you know generally rather than sort of racing to the bottom with the cheapest prices, they've got to you know offer something else to make it profitable because there's not a huge amount of margin in providing uh, you know internet. Services mm. right, so uh, you've got to have extra bits and pieces you can sell, and you know then you've got the the um, the likes of uh, Trustpower who have you know jumped jumped into uh, that that space, and certainly in in or where where they're based, and they've you know they're the 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 main seller of uh, you know retailer of electricity, uh, you know scooping up internet services and offering those sort of very cheaply uh, it does it makes it hard for these these other uh, you know players that are actually um, yeah, you know, don't have the sort of the resources or the deep the deep pockets to sort of mm. subsidise their services.
2: Well, the question is, is, is an internet service now a commodity, you know, do we treat it the same as we treat power or treat water? Yes, you know? I think the answer
1: would be, I, it's ones and zeros, right? Who moves my ones and zeros the fastest and the best? The only thing that stops anyone switching, I think, these days, is um, laziness. Just, it, you know, oh, it's a bit of a hassle. All contracts, yeah, all contracts. But even then, you know that. You, they're still there. They'll disappear over time, you know, a bit like um, some of the cell phone things have as well. You know, it's not as hard as it was to mm. switch providers. Um, and it is. It's just the ultimate commodity. I, I think um, TrustPower a client of mine when I was working down in um, Towering. That's a smart company. They figured out how to, um, because of course, electricity is commoditized and very much so. They figured out how to build additional value around that. They, you know, obviously provide the broadband stuff, they can um, provide. Um, LPG uh, or gas as well. Mm. That's pretty clever.
0: Yeah, I mean they've done some very smart stuff over the years. They were, I mean they were a client of mine too. I built their first uh, network back in the back yeah. in the uh, back in the the day. <laughs> um, you know, with with a team of others, and um, yeah, I mean it's fascinating to see how they've progressed from uh, you know what was a, a small and very you know untechnological uh, company to uh, you know to to being very very innovative. Yeah. Um, you know, it, as as have most, you know, businesses of their sort of
1: scale within, within New Zealand have had to completely transform them themselves in so many Maybe ways. Maybe we see Spark selling electricity and natural gas. That could be the next thing for them. If
2: you well, didn't know better, you <laughs> think they would already. <laughs> well,
1: they've they got a business division tucked away somewhere doing that. Just- I'm,
0: I'm sure they've already, you know, they've already considered it and, uh, <laughs> and, and done the numbers. And uh, you know, they don't like anybody, uh, you know, treading, treading on their toes. And if there's a way to make a uh, make a buck out of it, then um, they may well be in that space. Uh, what else have we got, um, Jonathan? I'm actually quite keen to hear a little bit about Extractor, which is um, which is your business. And uh, yeah, we we were chatting about uh, what you were up to. When was that? Probably a month or, or, or two. Yeah, I think so. Uh, back, and uh, we, we were at um, the the Geeks on uh, Meetup event. And that was where I bumped into you. And I hadn't come across you before, but uh, you've got a, a fascinating uh, business. So I wonder if you could sort of fill us in a little bit of what yeah, you're up Yeah, sure.
2: To. So um, <laughs> the story goes that I was um, at university and um, I was studying full-time, but I was doing a, a marketing and management degree, which um, is not a full-time degree. And um, my mum had just started up her own company doing uh, document scanning. And with a bit of IT background, you know, the sun is... You know, brought in to, to help out with setting up the scanner or the computer, and well, her business has blossomed into something much larger now. Um, but one of my jobs there was to implement software to do data extraction, and um, I was really sort of a pains to 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 work in that kind of space in New Zealand. There was only a few products on the market at the time; they were very expensive. There was only one guy from one company who knew the product that we used, and you know, we had to get him in on Sunday, and and really, it was it was a real challenge to get an operational system ready for, for uh, the next week. And um, by the time I finished university, um, I'd sort of cash up a little bit. Um, story goes, I'd run a, a, a Wi-Fi network from my house at um, during my high school days. And um, I'd sort of save the money from that, maxed out my student loan and invested it in the uh, Australian share market. And this was just during the, the 2007 crash. And um, yeah, I managed to make a pretty massive capital gain on that and use that to... to um, to, to capitalize the company which and, and I was looking to, for something to do after leaving high school oh, sorry university and um, yeah and, and I saw that this was a great opportunity in effect what we do is, um, is data extraction technology for, for pulling data from documents um, likes of invoices receipts sales orders rather than having to um, to manually type those in uh, you can take a photo you can scan them If they come digitally great just send them straight through and it doesn't matter on the design or the structure of the document we can pick up that information so We've invested quite heavily into uh, artificial intelligence that does this type of thing and it's it's quite a, a fascinating area to work in and it's really like kind of a working in this area I can see how it's going to change business forever in, in many different ways but
0: well it's a pretty horrible thing isn't it having to having to take something which is has probably already been made into electronic information and then to receive that and oh you've actually got to sit there and someone's got to sit there and and type that information in, so if you can automate that whole thing, so that no one has to lift a finger again. Uh, you know, even if there isn't some, uh, you know, behind the scenes electronic data or interchange that can, that can be yeah. done, that you can actually take that paper document or PDF, and uh, you know, and take it through that process, then uh, that's extremely valuable. So, yeah. well, I mean, what sort of so clients do you work with? You, you've produced some technology now that you license yeah. out. Is that, yeah, that's, that's what you're right.
2: Doing? That's right. So, um, one of the things that. Our AI technology has enabled us to do, and um, is, is to bring this to a mass market um, without having to spend a lot of time, or really any time, with with the end users of the product. So, our model is that we license this technology to ERP providers, accounting software providers, uh, for them to build directly into their platforms. So, for many, for many users um, of these platforms out there, they have probably already got access to this. Um, we've just launched with our first few products so far. Um, some of the smaller players in New Zealand, such as MoneyWorks, um, Infusion, Credo, GreenTree. Um, obviously our target is the uh, the big boys but there's a, a sort of step that you need to go through to get mm-hmm. to them um, but look I wouldn't be surprised at whether it's it's our technology um, or I hope it's our technology that you know if you're using your your brand name county software in the next six months you might find that you can just drag and drop an invoice in and all that data is entered for you that's the kind of experience that we enable for those kind of guys
0: right that's, so um, um, that's certainly a, a good a very good thing <laughs> That's great, yeah. And um, and so, what's your what's your expansion plans? You you know you mentioned some New Zealand customers and so on. Uh, I mean, that sort of technology is obviously relevant, you know, everywhere in the world. It might be a bit more of a challenge uh, for you to develop for you know some languages and and the like. But uh, you
2: know, what are your, what are your plans for you know world domination? <laughs> well, I think by nature of working with a lot of these New Zealand companies, that they already have a, a global footprint. You know, uh, without naming names, you can sort of imagine the the major names that are coming out of New Zealand in that space at the moment um, so that I guess will bring our technology globally but at the same time you know we're expanding and, and, and focusing our sales efforts uh, abroad so we've already got a number of customers in Australia um, customers in North America uh, Europe uh, so it's really a, a case of, of not trying to bite off more than you can chew and so in New Zealand you know we we might have 40 potential leads that, that exist in this country alone um, and there's not many so we can really sort of corner that market relatively quickly um, and, and, and own it and then sort of take that model elsewhere but it takes a lot of money as well um, to, to go and, and, and build this type of channel really I guess you could call it mm. so um, we're just in the process of doing a capital raising at the moment we've done one previously um, which was highly successful so yeah it's going to enable us to, uh, to, uh, to put a team out outside of, out of New Zealand and, and really sort of bring those, uh, those licensing agreements in.
1: That's good. Yeah, I can see all sorts of uses for, for this. How about you, Brent? Yeah, it was interesting. I'll to be, i I'll, I'll be honest, cards on the table, I'd, I'd never heard of it before. So um went and did the decent thing and checked out the website. It actually looks pretty damn cool. I, You know, it's one of those, and I love it with technology these days, particularly with stuff built around AI. When you look at something, you go, nah, you couldn't do that, except someone's done it, so obviously you can you know that's pretty neat and it, i like there's a couple of applications that i could think of just off the top of my head so well um,
0: i think you know even looking around our our, our listenership i mean you're data com and uh, you know you work in accounting so i can imagine there'd be there be opportunities yes. there but I mean our, our listenership for you know we've, yes we've got uh, um, you know, people that are just interested in hearing about the, the new phones and so on which we, we haven't actually dived into too much just yet um, but um, you know the, the government departments and oh, uh, universities and, and you yeah. know and, yeah. and so on with the CIOs that are listening from sort of those sorts of fields they'll probably be thinking oh uh, yeah, we could implement this and yeah. uh, um, you know r- make life a whole lot
1: easier for a whole whole bunch of people and and, uh, and speed things up. So. And it's API access, right? And yeah, I, and I think that's the that's the neat thing, right? Just this world that's building out out there of all of these um, my favorite terms, you know, loosely coupled, tightly aligned services. These bits and pieces you can subscribe to and, and get to do things. It's just you know that whole world is exploding at the moment, and I think you know that's a great. Um, yeah. approach business model to, to, mm-hmm. to uh, I mean
2: it. I think the world is changing in regards to that I mean much more broader than, than our business but you know the idea of having these monolithic systems that do everything is sort of disappearing and you know people are more happy to partner and, and to deliver solutions to the market that's that's definitely a big change um, you know we've seen some really interesting concepts that have been built around you know what our technology can enable we've got a um, a new client um, and I'm not sure if I can actually mention the name but I'll tell you what they're doing um, the idea of their business is to they, they'll connect into your Xero your or your MYB, pull out your, your kind of expenses for things like uh, water or electricity and uh, telephone, etc., and then they will benchmark what you're paying compared to what other rates are available in your area, and then they'll provide an opportunity for the other providers to then let you subscribe through their service. So the idea is that they're not charging... The end user or anything, yeah. but you're charging the, the people that they're um, they're connecting to, and they're basically passing the invoices and documents to us to tell us, you know, how much you're paying per kilowatt hour for peak and off mm, weekend mm. and that kind of thing. So you, you see people who actually have a lot of ideas that we didn't even thought of, you know, which which our technology can can enable. So it's really an interesting field to be working in and, and talking with some really interesting, exciting people.
1: That's a really interesting thing too about that model of um, if you stay head down and incredibly focused on making your service as good as it possibly can be, as extensive as it possibly can be, other people will find innovative ways to use it that you would never have thought of. Exactly. And, and you make it easy, you know, easy to use, easy to understand, easy to consume, and let the rest of the world figure out how to use it for their own scenarios. I think that's a, a cool way of doing things.
0: Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, now, Phones. There was a little, little bit of a little bit of a launch last week. Now, We're yeah. sort of getting used to these things. They happen every year. There's a new iPhone. Um, it just sort of you know it, it, it rolls around. It, it seems to come around pretty regularly. Um, it has got, to
1: to keep the Apple shareholders happy. <laughs>
0: well, it's interesting. <laughs> they should be very happy at the moment. They should be. Yeah. <laughs> We've got these new releases. We've heard what was it? 13 million devices that were sold. Uh, you know, just over over the launch weekend, which is a you know pretty it's astounding been, number when you when you you know break that down in terms of you know starting price around six hundred and fifty US dollars uh, per per handset. So you're sort of talking, you know, uh, certainly in, in New Zealand currency, um, you know, way over ten billion uh, you know dollars are, are transacted in yeah. a very do, very short space of time. Do you
2: guys remember what the price of the original iPhone was when it launched?
0: I don't think the price has actually changed no't think it's massively in re- in recent years maybe when it when it came out it was at a lower at a lower price point but then they they started adding sort of you know higher storage mm-hmm. options and so on. I think it started maybe with with what eight gigs um, of of storage uh, but certainly in recent years. When certainly looking at the US prices, there hasn't been a big change. But I guess what's changed has been, you know, exchange rates and 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 so on for us here in New Zealand. Um, yeah, it would be curious actually to go back over that. I'm I'm a bit curious now because I, I don't remember it sort of feeling as expensive because we've got that. Starting price point now, you know, twelve hundred dollars Kiwi up to $1, yeah. eighteen hundred dollars, and of course, people say, "Oh, well, I get it free with my plan and so on." But you know, you pay for it one way or another. Yeah, right. So um, it's kind of interesting, but yeah, I've been I've been playing around with it. Um, I've had a few issues, I've got to say, with uh, iCloud restoring uh, uh, my device, which I've had happen before, and so I've had the issue, uh, and I'll reset the the, um, the iPhone 6S to solve this and have another go, and it will probably be absolutely fine, but. I'll take a photo on it, and uh, it uh, it disappears within within seconds of taking it. And I haven't heard of anyone else having the same issue. I'm sure you're not using um, is it Snapchat, the one that um, deletes it after <laughs> yeah, seven yeah, seconds? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds like it, doesn't <laughs> it? So, um, but it's been it's kind of interesting because they've got um, they've got the A nine processor in in the phone, which is the processor that they're putting in this iPad Pro, which is you know they're, they're, they're touting is you know faster than uh, you know lots of laptops on the market and that's, that's the chip that's actually yeah. now sitting inside a phone. So you're carrying a very, very powerful piece of technology in your pocket. Yeah. Interestingly,
2: I've it um, also got that co-processor that sits alongside it. Um, and that's going to be a, uh, sort of enabling certain applications to run much more efficiently. And, and that's sort of how Apple, are, even though it's got a smaller battery, you know, this is how Apple are selling it, has been a, a longer-lasting battery too. And I, I read one of the features that, it, for example, enables is for AI um, Siri to be on. All the time. Yeah. Which, you know, you used to have to hold the button down. So, you know, it's, it's these small things with that, that change in the product which can actually make a big difference. Yeah. It's
1: quite interesting, isn't it? You know, you, a few years ago, if you had it said to people, we're going to give you a device and you'll have it with you at all times. It will listen to every word you say and it will actually understand what you're saying. And it will relay it back to some large multinational company headquartered in California. People would have said, no way, Jose. And now it's like, oh, give me one of those. Yeah. It's incredible you with, know, just with, just with like, no thought to yeah, actually what's happening
0: what's going into all those meetings and yeah. and
1: the, you know so on the privacy and the security um, issues around that are just monumental it's absolutely incredible, and no one's batting an eyelid so oh, I, want, I like the rose gold one I'll get that one
0: well and and it does it does look quite nice I'm not sure if it's quite for me, but um i have all over i've okay. I've had <laughs> the case on it so uh, so it's not quite so obvious <laughs> um, but uh you know we we um will you know Try out whatever is whatever's new in the market, and um, yeah, it's it's what's new this week, and um, yeah, it's it's quite interesting. The bit that I found interesting was what was called Force Touch and is now uh, 3D Touch, yeah. and uh, this is very much uh, Michelle Dickinson's area. In fact, she gave an explanation. I think right. on one of the earlier earlier yeah, podcasts, just, yeah, just, she? We had you on, Brett, and uh, you know some you know quite interesting sort of you know science behind how it works. Uh, but, you know, I've been trying that out a little bit and you can see how that will just become the norm that we'll get used to, that we've now got uh, these pressure-sensitive uh, t- touch screens. And yep, there's not a, a million uh, benefits to it just yet, but I'm am getting quite used to just as we've got used to having a uh, a second button on our mouse and being able to right click and, and do things very quickly. It gives you that type of uh, that type of capability. Uh, you know, for instance, I'm just looking at the home screen on the um, the 6s plus at the moment, and uh, you know, I can uh, push down on email and. Uh, you know jump straight into a search or a new message, etc you know very much mm. similar to what we're used to with a with a right click and so they 've got this sort of two layer
2: thing that they 're calling peak and poke uh, so um, I think that's really quite an innovative thing you know like it's again it's one of those small things that you you 'll notice using it on, on a day to day basis you know opening your email client to then open an email sure that's not an arduous process, but by the time you 've done that a thousand times you know you've actually you 've wasted a lot of time there you could save. And I guess the, the difficulty on a, on a device like a mobile phone is just, you know, it's such limited um, and so limited in terms of, you know, what user interface you can have on it. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got fingers and that sort of it. Um, yeah, it's a, um, I think it's really, it's, it really is quite a, a change. And um, I can just imagine the Android devices just trying to catch up on with this. I'm, I'm not sure. Do any of them have that capability now?
0: Um- Huawei announced something with a, a force touch, um, but it's it's so new that I think they're probably still trying to work out how to do it. Mm. Uh, it's not wasn't in the demo device that I've seen uh, personally, and the problem is is that they don't own the whole ecosystem right so you know with apple they can they can line it up and make sure that you know developers come on board and you know we've already seen twitter facebook instagram you know a bunch of others that are already supporting it right from the get-go and obviously they're able to build in that uh, os level support across the large majority of the sort of core pieces from from apple so it works immediately but you know doing that on android would would take a lot more time and of course you know the versions of Android that people have across mm. their their devices um, uh, is a challenge for rolling out some new things. You'd better tie tie that in; it would come with the latest version.
1: It's really though. interesting looking at Apple operate. You know they um, their devices are expensive. Um, they are a walled garden. The ecosystem is an incredibly walled garden, the most beautiful walled garden there is. But um, but my God, they do an amazing job around the whole user experience. You know they do. Probably the best hardware money can buy. There'll be some Samsung people out there that would probably argue otherwise, but I think their, their hardware is just impeccable, and it gets better and better and better. The user experience is just so crisp that that whole 3D touch thing is a classic example of something that right now it's a it's a feature, it's a quirk, you know, it's it's cool, it's a, it's you know um, gimmicky. Uh, you won't even think about it in, in a couple of weeks' time. That's You'll right. just It'll use just it, and that's what they're so good at—just sneaking those features in that. that you know they're so amazingly implemented, you don't even think about them. Um, you know they probably are the epitome of a of a user centric design based organisation. Yeah, they're absolutely amazing. They write rubbish software, but my god, they can build a, a user experience. You know on a phone um, set that is second to none, and um, you have to admire them for that. You know imagine that they ship thirteen million devices at what, an average price of probably probably $1,000 US a pop? $13 billion. I mean, just the mechanics, the logistics, everything that went into that is just mind-boggling. You don't even think about it anymore, but it's just, you know, they're just a behemoth and they're just going from strength to strength, that organisation. I mean, they have to. They've got some very hungry shareholders and, you know, they need to keep delivering and... and the. um dilemma that they face is all of their profit effectively comes out of the iphone right they mm. have they've mm. got to rev that product on a really regular basis they don't make anywhere near as much money out of their other product lines but by god they do a good job of it you know well
2: they're, they're the ones odd. who built the whole smartphone industry really you know well, if, we yeah, smartphones I mean, before, yeah, the well, the back
1: before the iphone yeah. uh, actually the interesting thing is no they didn't there were smartphones before the iphone but what happened was microsoft got um quite complacent they owned a big chunk of the market i mean what 60-80% market share of smartphones it's Sort of between them and BlackBerry wasn't it? was, it? Yeah, yeah exactly And, and they, um, it had kind of turned into this duopoly And um, you know Apple came along and released a phone That actually cared about the user And it was built around the user experience And kind of leapfrogged everything up um, To a new level And you know I mean Obama deriding them um, mercilessly But um, it would would appear in hindsight that he wasn't particularly correct on this point. No, <laughs> um, you know, and and look at where they've gone, right? Absolutely incredible. Well, you know, they've, they, built,
0: they've built the, the world's most profitable business. A, a,
1: absolutely, oh. more money in the bank than any other company, and not necessarily all onshore in the states. But you know, I'm sure they'll figure that out at some <laughs> stage. But yeah.
2: So what's the next thing coming out of Apple then? Because you know they um, they've always well, got to have, have some know, new products got, and new ideas. We've uh, got
0: that new Apple TV. Yeah, with that the, iP- the, cool. iP- the iPad Pro. So there's, there's going to be some interesting things, uh, you know, coming through. But, you know, I think what they've got here is a is an update that although, you know, externally the only change is that, uh, you know, rose gold one, which, you know, I was calling it pink to start with. But it's actually, it's not too bad a colour. Uh, it's not my colour, but, uh, you know. Like,
2: yeah, I think I, it's uh, I designed for the other gender. <laughs> they're,
0: they're, you know, they're mixing it up a little bit and, um, you know, that that's fine. Um, but yeah, in terms of what's going to make them their next, you know, hundred billion dollars, um, electric vehicles that will be that will be really? well. There's that's the rumor, isn't it? That's what yeah, we're, okay. that's what we're told is that they're going to be tripling the size a, of the team apparently, an, an automaker um, yeah. by what is it, 2019? Yeah, it's not far away. It's uh, yeah. We, sh- we
1: it's should have a conversation you- on that topic one night. That's mm, a fascinating. Mm, mm. Just as an aside, I'll tell you what will be interesting is um, Microsoft releasing the Surface Four sometime next month. I think.
0: Yes, that, well, that,
1: uh next week. So it's Is about it? a week away before oh, we be... see the announcement,
0: and yeah. uh, the the rumours that I've sort of been picking up um, around the world are indicating that will be available around the beginning of November. Okay. Um, so there'll be there'll be an announcement about a week away, and then uh, in about uh, in about a month we'll start seeing. Those, um, those arriving so yeah for those that are trying to get their hands on the Surface Pro 3 which have, have been selling like hotcakes yeah. from what I can tell uh, the most recent thing I heard was that they're you know, very hard to get stock of, of some of the products in some markets now
2: well, that goes and, to show the differentiation between Apple and, uh, and Microsoft, doesn't it? You know, if Apple can get 13 million units out in a weekend, and Microsoft struggle to keep up with the service. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's, um, so, yeah, I mean, there's definitely some interesting times ahead. And- I think there are,
1: I think you're exactly right. I think there's, it'll be a really interesting battle. You know, um, Apple are pushing really hard into their enterprise space with the, um, the new iPad um, mm. line. Um, Microsoft do pretty well in that space. The Surface is a pretty well-respected machine. People I know that have got them like them. Um, new version coming out, so it's game on again, which is great. Mm. Mm.
0: Good, all right, lots lots to watch. Well, thank you uh, both for for joining me here on the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Uh, where do we find you, Brett? Where are you online?
1: Well, where am I online? Oh, I'm, I'm on Twitter. I'm Brett Roberts on Twitter, which is quite handy because that's my name. Um, I'm on Facebook. I probably I don't know if you want to find me on Facebook, I'm there. I'm on LinkedIn. Um and yeah I'm at Datacom, so if you want to find me, hit me up and I'll buy you a coffee. Excellent. Always happy to have a coffee with interesting people. Good stuff. Thanks, cool. Bru.
2: Yeah, um look I say I'm a, a real convert about LinkedIn. Um I say I hardly use Facebook, but I'm on LinkedIn a couple of hours every day. So um drop me a message, keen to catch up.
0: That's great. That's great. When you can track me down on the on the same things. If you are adding me on LinkedIn, always nice just to have a little bit of an intro rather than a, a straight ad. If you don't uh, know me. Uh, because you do you know you guys are, I'm sure it's yep, yep. is that why you wouldn't lead generation marketing <laughs> <laughs> yeah sorry about you that, know that right? like oh, you know what it's like yeah I was thinking who's, the, who's this strange <laughs> character <laughs> um, always helpful uh, Facebook uh, I've recently got the big tick on Facebook so uh, oh, yeah. so, so I feel much more important now oh. uh, um, oh, I'm quite envious <laughs> and, uh, um, and and on uh, and on Twitter so very easy to find uh, Paul Spain across those networks and uh, you can find our, uh, our podcasts at podcasts.co.nz. Hey, thanks, everyone, for listening. We will catch you again next week. All right, see ya. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Guerrilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.